Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest this week is Atish Banerjee. Atish is the Chief Information Officer of Facebook, the social media behemoth with over 2.5 billion users and revenues exceeding $70 billion annually. As CIO, Atish is responsible for overseeing the Global Enterprise Engineering Organization, which builds and runs the systems that scale Facebook globally. Specifically, Atish oversees three key areas, the build organization, which builds many of the internal tools and products Facebook employees use to do their work effectively, the IT operations organization, which focuses on providing services to employees, and the infrastructure organization. Prior to joining Facebook, Atish was the executive vice president and chief information officer of NBC Universal Media, and he held the same role at Pearson. In this interview, we discuss Atisha's career path and his experience as CIO of a technology giant, including how the CIO role is more akin to the chief technology officer roles that he's held in the past, the focus on engineering and building internal products, and the three main functions he oversees. We also discuss his thoughts on the two biggest ways COVID will change the business world. And lastly, we discuss the value an executive with technology expertise can bring to a corporate board, as Atish sits on the boards of Hebu a multinational digital and print marketing solutions company, and of Nelson Education, an education publishing company. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Yes, Peter. After seeing the failure rates of monolithic large multi-year ERP implementations, we came up with the concept of Zoho One, built to be the operating system of the business. In Zoho One, we give over 45 applications for dollar a day per user. These apps take care of all aspects of digitizing a business, be it sales, marketing, finance, HR, business intelligence, etc. And to these, we add three things, an app named Orchestly, which allows customers to easily create, manage, and optimize their business processes through an intuitive drag-and-drop interface. Zia, our conversational AI that helps you get information across the enterprise in a 360-degree way. And then we add non-functional requirements like single sign-on, telephone integrations, and Zoho Marketplace. Dollar a day per user pricing has removed the high-cost barrier enterprises used to have to do end-to-end digital transformations. That's why we find over 25% customers use more than 25 applications in this suite, while 50% use 16 or more. And this is a reflection of organizational readiness. IT deploying apps as and when their business teams are ready to receive cloud-first, mobile-ready operating system of the business that is Zoho One. Thanks, Timothy. And now on to the interview. Atish Banerjee, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Pleasure to speak with you as well, Peter. Well, good. So, Atish, you are the Chief Information Officer of Facebook, a role you've held for more than three and a half years now. And I thought we'd begin with uh, with that role and your purview in Facebook. Uh, talk a bit about what the, the responsibilities are as CIO, please. Um, sounds great, Peter. So, 
primarily the way uh, my function works here at Facebook, I'm responsible for three uh, key functions. Um, the first one is that we, we have uh, what we call a build organization that focuses on building tools and uh, products for Facebook in order to make our employees in Facebook, whether they're in finance or they're in legal all across the company, the most effective and most efficient in doing their jobs. And uh, the interesting thing about this organization, this part of the organization is that uh, as opposed to other organizations I've worked in other companies before, we tend to build a lot of our own products in-house um, on the Facebook platform. Uh, because the way our philosophy here works is that, you know, the company um, has been growing very, very quickly. Like if you go back like 10 years, we were, we were about 2,000 employees and then now up to 45,000 employees. So, so deal with the scale at which the company has grown. What we found is that we've had to really completely change the way we do IT here at Facebook. And we have become a very engineering-centric organization. We tend to build a lot of our products. So unlike in other organizations I've worked in in the past, um, the build part of our organization here com comprises of more what we, the type of organization you, you use to build products, like uh, essentially software engineers, product designers, uh, people working in research, content strategies, design, uh, because we tend to build a lot of our products from the ground up versus buying third-party products and implementing them here. Um, and the philosophy that goes behind it is that in order to make the employees across the company the most effective and most efficient possible, um, the way we think about this is that you can go, if you want to get a glove for your hand, you can buy a glove in the market, uh, which would probably fit okay, but it won't be a good fit. But if you were to build a uh, essentially design and sort of like, you know, uh, craft a glove from the ground up and put it on your hand, it would fit much better. And that's the idea with these tools as well, that as opposed to buying a third-party tool, which is going to do a mediocre job inside the company in terms of meeting the employee's needs. We build a lot of the products from the ground up to both meet the scaling challenges, extreme scaling challenges we have here at Facebook, as well as to make sure that the tools are the most specifically designed to let the employees do their job in the best possible way. So that's what we think of in terms of the building side of the products uh, of the organization. Then there's a second part of the organization, which is essentially focused on infrastructure. And we provide all of the corporate infrastructure that connects Facebook globally across the you know, 80, uh, 80 countries or so that um, Facebook and Enterprise Engineering operates in. So all of the compute, uh, storage, networking capabilities that connects the whole company's infrastructure together, we build, design, and implement that as well. And then there's a third part of the organization, which is our operations organization, which is focused on essentially providing service to the employees. And, and some of these services tend to be what you think of as more traditional IT services, like for example, providing computing equipment to our employees or running the IT help desk. But some of the services we provide actually go well beyond what you think of as IT services. And I'll give you a few examples. Uh, like for example, we run a lot of the events for Facebook, both internal as well as external. Um, including events like F8, a lot of the production for that is done by the enterprise engineering team. Um, we design and build some of the studios that Facebook has where you know people come in externally and make uh, Facebook Live events and things like that. So we have a big studio in LA and one in New York, and our team has designed and built and run those studios from the ground up. And then we also run things like, for example, the warehouse operations where we 
ship all of our computing equipment from the laptops and mobile phones to our employees, uh, we run, run that as well. So those are the three basic components for um, uh, the enterprise engineering organization in the service we provide for Facebook. Um, and the one other interesting facet here we can talk about more later, Peter, is the build part of the organization, as I was mentioning before, has been building these custom developed products to, for all of the different stakeholder base, whether it's finance or legal or, or physical security or um, groups like you know, our people group or our HR group or our marketing and sales organization. So we've been building for years these wonderful products that actually allows um, the uh, employees to do their jobs in the most efficient way. And as you know, Peter, we, we have an enterprise software uh, uh, product now in the market called Workplace. And uh, so obviously, as other companies have seen, have the opportunity to sort of talk to us, uh, wonderful products that we have built for Facebook within, within our own organization, they have expressed interest. Some of our workplace clients have expressed interest in having some of these products be available to them as well. So we have been partnering very closely with the uh, workplace team to launch some of these products to, to market for external customers for workplace as well. It's a very interesting overview, and, and I couldn't help uh, but but think, Atish, uh, you you were a CIO of of long tenure. You were a, a CIO uh, for a, a CTO or so uh, at uh, Pearson for about a decade, um, for nearly four years at uh, NBC Universal Media, just prior to joining Facebook. And as I hear your description of your responsibilities at Facebook, relative at, at least my own. Uh, um, hypothesis relative to CIO rules you've had in the past, uh, there are some things that are common, but some things that are quite different. And I'm wondering the sort of change that created for you as you took on this opportunity at Facebook, the kind of reinvention in your own mind as to what was possible from a, from the perch of CIO. Uh, that's a really interesting question, Peter. So, you know, um, if you sort of look into my career background, um, you touched on it, like I've had some CTO roles and I've had some CIO roles. And to your point, actually, the CIO roles I've had in the past are significantly different than the CIO role here in Facebook. Uh, I would sort of say that the C CIO role here at Facebook is more closer to the CTO roles I've done. Uh, like, for example, when I was the CTO for Pearson Education before, my primary role was actually build, helping build products and services for students and for educators, uh, which were more market-driven products. And so the organizations that were that um, I was running at the time as a CTO were more similar to the CIO role here at Facebook, where we had software engineers and product managers and designers building products for educators and students. The CTO part of the roles, to your, to your point, Peter, is uh, the, the CIO part of the role is very different uh, here compared to the CIO roles I've done before, because in CIO roles I've done in other companies, um, they were more traditional CIO roles where you would have, for example, not a lot of the infrastructure would be in-house. You would have some internal infrastructure, but you'd be running, for example, a lot of your um, services in the cloud provided by someone else, or you would go and buy a software product from a company uh, an enterprise software product or sales and marketing product from a company and you bring it in and you'd implement it and you'd configure it, but you wouldn't build the products from the ground up. So the uh, so what I found when I came into Facebook was that actually the CTO aspects of my roles that I've had before 
where I was building products was actually more akin because this is a very much a build organization. It's a very engineering-centric organization. And uh, so one of the first things that I worked on when I, when I came in is that as the company was scaling and we had to scale our internal organization here to be able to keep up with it, we really doubled down on making this a core engineering organization. So upgrading the quality of the software engineers have to the full Facebook level uh, software engineers and same with product management and design. Uh, we now have an organization uh, essentially that taps from the same talent pool um, as the people in Facebook that are building, say, Instagram or Facebook itself. So the, the caliber of the organization that we have built here internally within enterprise engineering is the same caliber of any engineering organization across the rest of Facebook. The difference is that we focus primarily on building products that service Facebook employees and then goes beyond that because the products have been very successful here at Facebook. We are now launching those products uh, externally through the workplace platform to our, uh, to our customers as well. And I can give you an example of that. For example, we launched uh, back in 2018 a product uh, called um, Employee Safety Check. And uh, uh, are you familiar, Peter, with the safety check feature on just the external Facebook product where, you know, if you're in a disaster area, for example, like you, you are in um, Florida and a hurricane hits, then you can sort of mark yourself safe so your family and friends know that you're, that you're safe. Um, yes. So it's essentially taking that same concept and taking that to an enterprise um, situation where a company may want to contact um, their employees. Like, for example, uh, we built this first for Facebook uh, internally before we ever launched it externally. And um, the first time I think we used it was in the when there was an earthquake in Mexico uh, back in 2017, if I, if I remember this correctly. And essentially what it did was it was able to, um, you know, in an event like that for the number of employees we're talking about in the past when we didn't have tools to make sure that we were able to connect with all of the employees would have taken up to four days. With the employee safety check product we had built for Facebook, we were able to do this in less than 12 hours. So significantly faster in making sure that our employees were safe, but also if somebody needed help in able to get them help as fast as possible. So when Workplace team looked at this product and how successful this was within Facebook, they requested us to launch this to their customers in the marketplace. And at this point of time, we have many, many clients of Workplace using this. You know, companies like you know Delta Airlines and AstraZeneca are using the product. And uh, this is one example. We have also built a um, Workplace Surveys product for uh, Workplace, which is being used by external clients uh, for Facebook. Uh, we have uh, approvals app that we launched, which is currently in beta. And we actually just announced a new product, uh, which is called Knowledge Library. Incidentally, this was the most requested feature in Workplace that we actually built in Enterprise Engineering for the Workplace team. And it's been launched externally. So the benefit of this is that the things that have been very successful in terms of products we've launched within Facebook, there has been a significant demand for those with Workplace customers. Uh, because, you know, obviously many of them are confronted with the same situation in terms of solving problems in their workplace that can be better done with the products that Facebook is building here for Facebook. And we have partnered very closely with the workplace team to make this available for workplace clients as well externally. So interesting, Atish. I, so if I'm understanding you correctly, there are scenarios where uh, technology is first built for, uh, for Facebook operation and some number of those become uh, and uh, become customer worthy that is potentially you know the, the 
the the um, the problem case that's been the problem that's been solved or the opportunity that has been uh, addressed is deemed as appropriate to take to the marketplace. That there are other companies that may have similar either problems or opportunities that could be solved with the very technology that you you put in place. And then likewise, there are situations where the organization has put in place uh, tools for the consumer marketplace that then get translated into the enterprise space as well. And I wonder to what extent from the get-go is that thought process put in place? And, and to what extent does it even help prioritize what work to do first, uh, second, or not at all? Uh, um, so the way we think about it, uh, Peter, in enterprise engineering is that the primary responsibility for the organization is to build for Facebook. So we, are, we have not really spent a lot of time thinking of or building enterprise products in my shop that are not pertinent to uh, the Facebook environment. So the, the philosophy that we have been following is that we built for, first for Facebook, but to your point, many of the problems that we are solving for Facebook are confronted with other, other organizations as well. And so if there's an opportunity for uh, other organizations to benefit from the products that we are building for Facebook, then we go out and launch that through the workplace platform in collaboration with our, with our uh, workplace team uh, to make them available to other customers. Uh, the big benefit it has brought to Facebook, though, to uh, I think the point you were making before is that the products become better as a result of the fact that we are launching them externally because we get a lot of feedback externally from the products when we launch them externally and we enhance the product or build in features or make changes to the product based on the feedback we are receiving externally, which in turn makes the product better for Facebook as well. So it's a win-win from that perspective that, you know, the external customers get the benefit of the uniqueness of the products and some of the unique problems it is solving uh, here at Facebook. They get the benefit from that. And in turn, their feedback makes the product better, which Facebook benefits from as well. Very interesting. I appreciate you walking through that. You also talked about how yours as an IT team, perhaps different from past um, uh, CIO roles, CTO roles that you've had, uh, where your team is not so different from the product team, from the from, from the engineers that are throughout the entire organization. And I'm curious, to what extent then is the filter permeable from IT to other parts of the organization and back? Do you find that there are people on your team that then go off and either set, uh, spend, a, so, so to speak, a, a year abroad and then come back and vice versa? Are there are, Is there a permeability to that filter? Very much so. So, you know, so whether it's software engineers or product managers or designers, you know, in, in, in Facebook, the general philosophy is that, you know, engineers or designers uh, get to work on the problems that the, they want to solve. So it's very common, actually, for uh, someone to come into Facebook in enterprise engineering and then work for a couple of years building enterprise products and then maybe develop an interest in sort of going and working on the consumer side and going to maybe Instagram or Facebook or WhatsApp. So we, we have a lot of people who go from our site to there as well. And uh, at the same time, we've also had a lot of people who have been working on consumer products for a long time, and then they decide that they want to try their hand at enterprise products, or they want to solve problems in the enterprise market, or specifically to help grow Facebook, and then they will come over from there. Uh, so it, it's been, uh, so the so it's very, to your, to your uh, the language you use, very permeable from that standpoint, in the design space, in the product management space, 
uh, in the software engineering space, we have people sort of going back and forth uh, fairly regularly. Um, and uh, I think it enhances the organization. It enhances people's careers as well because it gives the opportunity for people to be able to essentially, you know, spend a, spend a lot of time within Facebook growing their careers versus having to leave their company and go work somewhere else. Yeah, very interesting. And, and I wonder also, as you're describing your purview and the differences between it uh, versus past experiences that you have, uh, there are so many aspects to 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 Facebook singular, uh, or at least very different, you know, singular to a digital native organization. And of course, one of the one of the prime examples of a digital native organization is that. But I wonder also, Atish, as you as you think about um, how the role of CIO is translated in this environment, if you were to be able to go back and whisper into the ear and offer advice to your younger self at places like Pearson uh, or NBC Universal, what, what sort of advice would you offer to, and, and of course, by extension to this question is, uh, would you offer to fellow CIOs today who work at digital uh, digital immigrant organizations, so to say, as, as opposed to digital immigrant, uh, rather than digital native organizations like the one you currently work for, what advice would you have about the way in which you one should think about uh, the CIO's role and potential value created from it? Um, so the way I think about it, Peter, is like, you know, there are, there are quite a few things that translate well uh, from uh, a digital native to a digital immigrant organization. Like I'll give you sort of a couple of philosophies that I think might be helpful uh, if I was advising my younger self to your point. The, the first one is, you know, I learned actually fairly early in my career through the advice of one of my CEOs, actually this was back in my Pearson days, uh, like, you know, sometimes, you know, people who lead technology organizations or work in technology organizations tend to get focused for technology and technology's sake versus really focusing on the problems that the business has that they're trying to solve and that technology should be an enabler for solving those problems. So, you know, I spend, for example, a lot of time with my business partners in all of the different parts of Facebook, um, understanding what their goals are, what their what problems they're trying to solve, and how technology can help them either solve a problem or pursue an opportunity. So that connectedness with the business, I think, is really, really important. Uh, because technology, for technology's sake, you might invent something really cool, but if you are in the end, if it's not solving a business problem or, or uh, helping pursue a business opportunity, it's not particularly helpful for the organization. So I think that's one thing. And then the second thing, which specifically in the Facebook environment, um, uh, I think uh, other, other non-digital native companies can actually benefit from is that, you know, the, the nimbleness and the agility of providing solutions quickly is really, really important. Like, you know, one, one thing sort of I firmly believe in that, you know, a good solution provided really quickly is infinitely more valuable than the perfect solution provided too late. Um, so that nimbleness and agility is really, really key. Like I, I'll give you a good example. Like, you know, when uh, COVID-19 uh, in the world we live in today hit, you know, you, we had to take this entire organization, which, you know, if you are talking about, you know, 45,000 employees plus, you know, tens of thousands of contractors, you know, and we had to sort of overnight pivot this to an organization that was largely all working from home. Very, very few functions like, you know, data center operations and things like that. We have a few people coming in, but for the most part, the 45,000 employees across Facebook mostly are working from home. And doing a pivot like that, we had to make some very fast changes to systems like 
our VPNs, our firewalls, the way we do video conferencing. You know, we were largely prepared for a lot of it because we are a technology company. And even when we are in the office, we use many of these technologies quite robustly. But still, taking this entire population and moving it overnight to work from home was a fairly heavy lift. Uh, and solving those problems like really, really fast, even if they were not solved perfectly, I think allowed us to make that pivot in a much more effective manner rather than trying to design the perfect solution, which would take three or four weeks to execute. A big example of that, you know, uh, which would be uh, probably two examples, which would be probably relevant. Like, you know, we are still hiring a lot of people and we had to overnight pivot all the interviews across the company to essentially video interviews. So we had to make sure our video systems were prepared to handle that. Recruiters had to completely change the way they work. Interviews had to completely change the way they work. But we pulled this pivot off, and now we're actually finding that, for example, in the space, it's working fairly well. Number one, like we are not, our pipeline is not affected. And secondly, it's actually given us some tangible, sort of tangible benefits that we potentially didn't even have before. Like, for example, you know, if I am now conducting an engineering interview for a candidate I want to bring into my organization, I can tap an engineer in Seattle to do that, or an engineer in New York to do that, or in Menlo Park. It doesn't really matter. Whereas in the past, we used to be focused on you know bringing the candidate in and and having an engineer available from a specific location. So this brought that's one of the pivots that's really we made it very very quickly and it's been very effective. Another one is uh, new hire orientation. So when we now are bringing people on board, you know normally the the orientation works is you bring everyone in on a Monday morning, you give them laptops and you give them their mobile phones. They sit in orientation and then they go into boot camp and, and start learning how to be an engineer here at Facebook. Now the model is very different because no one's coming into the office. So we have to now onboard all of these people from their homes, which essentially means we had to completely change our equipment delivery model to an enterprise model to a consumer model overnight. So we had to ship equipment overnight to people's homes. We had to land a lot of tooling in order to be able to now track. Okay, we're shipping it to people's homes. How do we collect their addresses? How do we track shipping to make sure the equipment gets to them successfully? So we had to build a lot of tooling and land this tooling to be in order to be able to do that. And then for contractors, we actually came up with a brand new technical solution to uh, bring contractors on board so that we could focus our shipping of equipment uh, to, for full-time employees and for interns and contractors, we complete, came, came with a completely separate solution for them. And we all did, did all of this in the period of four to five weeks. Um, so that's that, that nimbleness and agility is the other thing that would be my advice to current CIOs or my past self is that, you know, focus on getting things done quickly. And even if it's at the 80th percentile, it's much better than trying to get to the 100th percentile and, and the solution coming weeks or months late. Yeah, that makes sense. You alluded to some of the things that have changed uh, and, and also alluded to some of the things that may, may have indelibly uh, been changed as a result of this experience with the uh, uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 pandemic. I wonder what other reflections you have on the changes that we are living with now and you know, sort of some of the practices that are emerging that because of this may become uh, practices we, we continue with even when quote unquote normal life uh, comes back whenever that may be? Um, so a few things cross my mind, Peter. Like, you know, the first thing probably is that, you know, you know, remote working, you know, we are inventing so many more ways and all companies around the world are doing to make remote working a much more 
effective expedients that, you know, my sort of sense on this would be that, you know, this will become a much more common way to work than it is currently. So, you know, companies where the focus was to bring all the employees into work every single day, you know, I don't think we'll be doing that anymore. You know, there'll be certainly certain jobs and there'll be um, a, a need for bringing employees in for making sure you maintain that personal connection and, and uh, have meetings that need to be had in person. But the philosophy of everybody coming to the office every single day, I think, is going to change because we have, we have found and other companies have found that uh, working remotely has significant, you, you can get a significant uh, types of roles. You can actually get the work done just as effectively. And it, it takes a lot of the, um, you know, uh, whether it's employee productivity because you're not spending, you know, two hours in traffic coming in and two hours going out. So just the employee productivity benefits you gain from that the carbon footprint advantages you have without people having to sort of like spend fossil fuel driving into work every day. So there are significant benefits, I think, from a productivity standpoint, as well as from just, you know, less stress and strain on the employee or less impact on the environment that I think make remote work a fairly desirable thing to do in some shape, way or form going, going, going later. I touched on the interview piece already. You know, one thing I'm sure other companies are finding this as well is that if you focus on flying candidates in to a physical location, having an interviewer available in that location to do the interview. That was the way we used to do it before, but you actually get more flexibility on your side and the candidate side in terms of being able to uh, interview them if you do it on, on video. So I think video interviews will be uh, definitely more prevalent sort of going into the, into the future as well. Um, another big area sort of I think about is events. You know, if you think about the way we used to do events, you know, I was talking to one of the executives the other day and said, you know, I used to think it's very normal to fly to the UK for a two-hour meeting and then fly back the next day. And I'm probably not, never going to do that anymore. So if you think about that way people travel or people go to large events, I would be surprised if we continue to do events exactly the same way. Like internally here at Facebook, we are finding like the events team that I run, we are doing many more events now to keep people connected across the company but they're all virtual. You know, a lot of work still goes into producing content in a way that's really well consumed and, and well appreciated by the audience around the company. But we are finding that our ability to communicate to our employees or getting them content uh, is very effective in the, in, the, in the way that we are doing it virtually now. Uh, so my sense is that, you know, doing very, very large events, you probably seen Mark already said for Facebook, we are probably not going to even consider doing major events till June of uh, 2021. And even beyond that, my sense is that the way we do events and the number of events we do, which physically require people to congregate in a large conference facility somewhere, uh, we may not do as many and we may do uh, many more things virtually, especially with you know, uh, technology that we have in the company to enable that. I also wanted to ask you, uh, a lot of your peers as chief information officers have the ambition to join boards. Uh, you have done so. You're on the board of uh, Nelson Education as well as Hebu. And I wonder if you can take a moment and describe that pathway, uh, how those opportunities, uh, first of all, I guess the extent to which you were pursuing them uh, prior to joining boards, the extent to which it was a, a confirmed goal of yours uh, and therefore of the strategy that you were pursuing, and likewise, what advice you would have for others who would wish to follow in your footsteps? Uh, sure. Uh, so 
you know, quite honestly, Peter, I was not very actively pursuing opportunities. For me, they they happen to uh, come up. Um, but I do believe it's very valuable because, you know, I, I think, first, first of all, you know, what I've found is, you know, on the boards that I'm uh, I am on currently, like if you if you have um, that the diversity of experience and the diversity of the different fields of that are important is being represented on a board, it brings a lot of com- uh, value to the company whose board you're on. Like you know, if for as an example, if everyone on the board is focused on, for example, from a financial background, and there's no one who can talk about, you know, technology, whether it's for, from an IT standpoint or building products, you know, given how important technology has become in the world today, that I, I think more and more boards are actually looking for people to uh, have a technical background to come on uh, on the boards because you add a dimension to the board that is that is fairly unique. Um, you, you Normally boards are composed of a lot, lot of business people, people from finance or marketing and other background and, and the technology angle is sometimes underrepresented. And I think as technology is becoming more of a more and more of a driving force in companies, uh, I'm finding that, you know, boards are looking for the skill set very specifically. So uh, my advice to, you know, my CIO peers who would be interested in sort of pursuing that is, you know, talking to some of the larger uh, recruiting firms that do spe- board specific hiring um, uh, the opportunities are there, and and it's worth uh, definitely worth worth going after. The other sort of as big a benefit I've found, Peter, very honestly, is you bring back a diversity of experience of things you learn that you can then bring back to the company you work for uh, and apply there as well. So it's it's really a two way street, which is why you know uh, f- uh, you know for executives, I think uh, it does make sense to the extent that they have time and interest. To be able to uh, pursue board opportunities, that you know, I think there's a value proposition to the company whose board you're on, but you also bring a lot of value back to your own company as well. That makes sense. I also wanted to ask you, as you look to the future, what are some trends that particularly excite you? I can only imagine that your ability to investigate them, pursue them, put talent against them um, must be uh, tremendous. And I'd be curious where you were pointing that that uh, curiosity as well as talent uh, in, in order to pursue them. Um, I think appears several several areas are um, you know emerging and exciting. You know, I, I think if you if you sort of think about my world specifically within Facebook, what I'm excited about uh, some of it we touched on before is that how do we take how do we continue to take the technology that uh, our products that we're building for Facebook and then take them more externally. To other uh, other customers of workplace that can really benefit from them, I'm really excited about their opportunity. I want to make sure that we continue sort of building on that. Um, the other um, uh, area where I sort of feel like you know, specifically here at Facebook, we have a big opportunity is that you know, in a lot of ways, the way we do uh, IT is very unique, and I I believe that in addition to some of the opportunities for taking products to market to workplace, there's a lot more we can contribute on the open source community sort of to put the best in class practices out there, which other companies can sort of benefit from. And sort of in in other words, if you want to sort of like run certain facets of IT instant class way, we I think we have a responsibility as a company and, and EE as an organization to put some of those best practices out there in open source so that people in other companies can learn from that and sort of benefit from that. And then there are, of course, you know, uh, 
um, technology frontiers, you know, machine learning is already transforming the way we do many things within uh, our organization. Um, uh, how uh, the products that we build for our internal stakeholder base are sign- getting significant benefits from, you know, trend- trends like machine learning. And I see sort of continuing to work on some of these new and emerging technologies to be able to continue um, continue enhancing the products and providing even better products and services for Facebook. Well, Atish Energy, thank you so much for taking time today and uh, offering perspectives from your current strategic perch as CIO within Facebook, uh, experiences from your career as a CIO and CTO, and a, a look forward as well at a conversation. Thank you, Peter. Uh, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for the opportunity as well. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Thursday for a special bonus episode featuring John Barry, the best-selling author of The Great Influenza, a book on the pandemic of 1918, with lessons for the current pandemic.